Hey kids, want to let you know inside your bag that you got today, there is a little Bethany Kids Worship folder in there. Make sure you pull that out. There's a couple things in there. There's a place today for you to make a tally list on how many times I say Jesus or Cornerstone or God. There's something to color on there. And also, on the back, there's a little scavenger hunt for you today. If you complete all the things on the back of that scavenger hunt and take it to Mrs. Burnham today, you'll get one of these little buttons that she made. That's a cornerstone that says chosen and precious on it. So I want to let you know about that. It's in your bag there and some other goodies for you uh, as well. Today we have a uh, special message. So glad you guys are here on this fall kickoff to be with us this morning. Uh, excited for everything we have in store for this morning, from our worship to our message to a good uh, chili and uh, chili hot dog lunch after service today. Anybody ready for that? Two of you? Okay, way to go. Two of you are ready today. All right, well, a lot of chili for the two of us. There's probably three crockpots per person then. <laughs> There's a great chili lunch in store and a bounce house and some other stuff for kids as well afterwards. We're just glad you're here today. And if you're new, you kind of picked the perfect morning to come to Bethany Church to get a little uh, kind of peek under the hood of uh, what we do here and what we're about here at Bethany Church. I know if you saw this week, we posted to our Instagram and our uh, Facebook page a picture of our, our whiteboard at church, our whiteboard session that as a staff uh, we did to plan for our event today, to plan for the fall kickoff day. How many of you saw that? Anybody? A few of you? Okay, good. A few of you guys did. If follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You'll see that. All right. We had a little picture up there that we, kind of as we walked through to plan today, I know it looks a bit crazy on there. There might even be some notes from a three-year-old on there, uh, but there's a lot of stuff going on on that whiteboard. We like to ask the question, why at Bethany Church? Why? Why do we do something? What's its purpose? What's the foundation underneath or behind something? Why do we do something? What's the reason for something's existence. Whether it's the why of why do sermon discussion-based life groups, the why behind that, or why to have children in a service on a Sunday morning, or why do we do a fall kickoff? That's the question we asked. Uh, you can see at the top of the whiteboard there, why fall kickoff? Why do it? And we came up with the answers as we talked through as a ministry staff that it's a morning to celebrate. It's a morning to celebrate who God is, and what he's doing at Bethany Church. Highlighting really kind of a natural time of the year when uh, new ministries might be beginning or other things like school are just starting up. Highlighting what is God doing here at Bethany Church. Time to lay out a fresh vision, a fresh challenge for God's people as we gather this morning and fellowship is a corporate whole. God's people here in this room today at these tables, God's people. It's a great time of year to do this. Really, we're talking about uh, the building block of why, or the first laid block of why do a fall kickoff, or why do anything as a church. We're talking about the foundation, or a first building block. You might call it, as we're going to see in our passage today, the cornerstone. The cornerstone. The foundation of something. The why behind fall kickoff. Well, this morning... We have before us a magnificent passage in 1 Peter to answer the question, why? Why? To answer the question, why? Why are we here, Bethany Church? Why do we exist? Why do we come together on a Sunday morning? Not only as um, individual Christians, but as a church. Why? What's our foundation? What is our why? Why? 
That's what we're going to talk about. Or let's make it personal. Where can you, as an individual follower of Christ, where can you lay your foundation? What can you build on? What can you hope on? What can you rest on and build off your life off of? What do we build off of then as individual Christians as a church? That's what we're doing this morning. This morning we're going to look at three building blocks. We're keeping that theme going this morning. Three building blocks to find our foundation and see that Jesus Christ is the living stone and the one who's risen from the dead. He is the cornerstone of the church. It's him. But Peter tells us this church isn't just a building. It's comprised of the special people of God. Other living stones, you heard David say that this morning, living stones stand who live to proclaim his excellencies. So so three, three building blocks to our foundation. So grab your outline, hopefully you have it in front of you. Hopefully you have your text open to 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 through 10. As we see our first building block is this one. Here it is. Jesus, the rejected one, is the precious cornerstone. Jesus, the rejected one, is the precious cornerstone. Let's take a look at our passage if you got it in front of you. Chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You know, you rehear these words, and they're from a letter that Peter wrote to the church, a letter that Peter wrote, but it's not actually the first time that Peter has used these words. He said them before. And it answers for us the question, the first time he used these words, of why Jesus is the stone that was rejected. Why was he rejected? You ever think about that? Why, if if God had this amazing special plan to send Christ to earth, to gather in people that are chosen out, to save them, to bring them to himself, why did so many reject the cornerstone the church was going to build off of? Well, there was a day when Peter and Acts, uh, Peter and John, in Acts chapter 4, they just healed a lame man. Picture this now. They just healed a man who'd been lame, couldn't move. And they had been preaching about Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And Peter and John were arrested for preaching. And they were brought before the rulers and scribes, and they asked, all right, guys, all right, you're doing all this stuff. You're saying all these things. You're healing people. By what name are you doing this? How are you doing this? Is basically what they asked them. How are you doing this? And Peter said these words. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone, here's those words, that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. 
And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There it is. There it is. He's the only way to God, Peter said. Peter said, yes, we're healing through this man, Jesus, but there's no other name under heaven. There's no other way to God except through this stone, through Jesus Christ. That's a big statement, isn't it? That's a statement that causes people today even to stumble, today even to pause and go, wait, 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 wait a minute. What did you say? Only one way to God? That's a big rock. That's a huge foundation. That's a giant cornerstone. And Peter even says those who reject in disbelief stumble because of that disbelief if they don't believe it. But if Jesus is really God and he's our creator and he's that immense, he's that massive, wouldn't it make sense that you couldn't get away from him? Wouldn't it make sense that you, everywhere you went, in some way you'd keep bumping up into him? You might try one pathway in life and bump. You kind of bump into him. There he is. You might try another one and crash. There he is again. Somebody's speaking about him again. Or you pass a church and you, you see his name somewhere. There he is again. Another path and you trip. You fall. If he is who he says he is, it shouldn't be surprising that you can't get away from him. If Jesus is God, and he is who he says he is, you will bump into him your whole life. Just don't trip over him into eternity. Don't trip over him into eternity. Don't stumble into eternity. Maybe, just maybe today even, you can see with those who do believe that Jesus is, that Jesus is the precious cornerstone, the chosen one by God, Bethany Church, we're told as Peter's speaking to fellow Christians to come to him, to, to, to believe in him as the cornerstone, verse 4 says. To come to him and believe. So that's our call today for all of us. Whether it's a first time for you or a lifelong faith you've been living, to come to him as the cornerstone today. So I guess it's a good question to ask then. What in the world is a cornerstone? We sang about it today, didn't we? Christ alone, cornerstone, weak, made strong. The Savior's, was it blood? Savior's love? Blood? Yeah, what's a cornerstone? What is a cornerstone? Understanding that is going to help us understand Jesus a bit better this morning. Really is, is who we are. I need help from a couple kids. A couple older kids. Maybe you have someone uh, fifth, sixth grade, fourth, third grade maybe. Maybe like uh, four kids. All right, Evangeline, you can be one. Uh, how about... Yeah, you can come on up. How about, you're looking, you're not looking at me, but I'm calling on you anyways. Come on up here. And maybe one more in the back. Uh, yeah, come on, buddy. Yep, you're right there. All right, come on up here. I got a little challenge, a little job for you guys. I'm going to bring you up on stage here. You're going to come up here too. Got these right here. Let me get this other box. Hold on, guys. Let me grab it. Oh, this one's heavier. All right. So here's what I want you to do. I would like you guys, we'll have you two be a team over here, you two be a team right here, so you guys come over here. What I want you to do is, I want you to take the next couple minutes to build a tower right here, and you guys build a tower right there as high as you can with the blocks, right? Can they do it? All right, go for it, guys. 
Go for it. I'm going to get out of your way so you guys can build. I'm out of breath. <laughs> I'm out of shape. I'm carrying a little box. So they're going to do a little exercise for us and build. If you guys need a couple more, you can go over here and gather from them. But we're talking about a cornerstone. I think this might help us a bit. Uh, especially some of you kids even like to build blocks. You might understand this better than some of these adults. But let's take a look at this picture here. There it is. Take a look at that picture. The cornerstone is represented there by that gold stone in the picture, in the front there. And it would be the, the very first stone that any builder would lay. The very first stone that a builder would lay. And so all the other stones would come off of that stone. They'd be laid up against it. And it would bear the weight of all the stones. All of them. Okay? So it was really important. It was the first stone that was laid. But it also had to have, not just to be able to hold a lot of weight, but it also had to have perfect dimensions. Absolutely perfect lines. Perfect dimensions there. Why? Because if it was off even a little bit, that stone, so would the rest of the building be off. Or the rest of the house would be off. So imagine, if that cornerstone sloped down a little bit, right? The whole rest of the house would kind of slope down. I'm not a builder, but I can kind of imagine that, right? Or if it sloped up, up this way a little bit, the stones off, the rest of the stones, each one would have to be bigger as you got further away from the cornerstone. So it have, had to be perfect. Absolutely perfect. Oh, was it a race? I didn't know if it was a race, but good job, guys. <laughs> you guys are doing great. Good job, guys. So it was terribly important. Not only did it have to be strong, or the building would crumble, it had to be straight. The lines had to be straight as well. It was the first, had to be the most precious and strongest material. So you guys have a couple buildings there. Let me get out of the way. We almost could have one giant one, and I think the effect might have been greater. But let's do this. Let's, each of you on your building, we're going to count to three, and I want you to find the cornerstone. So look up the, up the picture. What do you think is the cornerstone on your building? And we're going to count to three, and I want you just to pull that cornerstone out. Can we do that? You ready? You ready? You find it? All right, one. Let's hope, I hope this works. <laughs> one, two, three. Go ahead and pull it out. All right, there we go. There it is. All right, give them a round of applause. You guys want to pick them up for me? Throw them back in the box? That'd be great. We'll have you guys pick them up for us. Thank you, guys. So, obviously, there's a picture, right, of what happens when we pull out a stone from a building and you don't have a strong cornerstone, a building tumbles. It falls down. Nice work, guys. All right, so Peter's thinking about all of this when he says to us this morning, the rejected stone is the chosen and precious stone. He is the living stone risen from the dead, laid as the cornerstone. And Peter's, thanks guys, you can go sit down, thank you. Good job, guys. Peter's readers and Jesus' hearers would have understood that Jesus had an allusion here to replacing the temple of God with himself. When they talked about Jesus being this precious cornerstone and that God was doing a new work and his presence was going to be in a new place now. Not the temple, but in Jesus Christ himself. And it was rejected. 
The people rejected that thought and idea, which means if Jesus is rejected and we are cemented to him, what will we face as well? Rejection. If you're lined up in your life against him, we too will face rejection as well. But here's the thing. Thanks, girls. Good job. We can't miss out on that phrase. Even though he was rejected, he was choice and precious in the sight of God. Jesus is choice and precious in the sight of God. And we'll never understand how Peter says that his stones, you too, will be acceptable to God. And he says, never disappointed in verses 5 and 6, unless we understand that Jesus was the most precious stone to God, the builder. And Peter could bear witness to these words because he heard God speak about, he heard the Father speak about Jesus. Mark 1.11, voice came from heaven. You're my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. Peter himself knew that Jesus was precious. Knew that God the Father approved of him knew that he was the presence and the place of God's dwelling on earth now. I want us to imagine for a minute, because it's important to us. Imagine how precious Jesus is to the Father. He said, my beloved son, I'm pleased with you. When that eternal relationship that they had fulfills its purpose with Jesus as he leaves heaven now, where he'd been for eternity with his Father, and he goes to earth on a rescue mission. He fulfills his purpose as he leaves, as he leaves heaven. He becomes like the creature, a servant who obeys his father to the cross and dies for his people, and he's resurrected from the grave, and then ascends. Imagine that homecoming for a minute in your mind. Imagine that homecoming when the son returned to heaven to the Father's presence, after completing the mission he'd been sent on, the precious choiceness of this one as he comes back, the celebration of that return, that homecoming to heaven. You know, before Jesus left to go back to that homecoming, right before he was arrested and crucified, he prayed these words and he said this, the glory you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we're one. Think stones being built. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know you sent me and you loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire, he goes on praying here, that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Yes, when we come to Jesus, our sins are forgiven. That's true. Yes, we're given eternal life. But this surpasses that all. If you're joined to him as a stone, if you're united to him, we become one of the stones. And when you're lined up on that cornerstone that's the most perfectly cut stone ever and the strongest ever, when you're lined up and united on that stone, all his preciousness, all his, his choiceness 
of that stone gets lined up right with you, which means it's given to you. First, straight, strong, beloved, loved, chosen, precious, all those things that God says about his son are given to you. They're lined up with you. It becomes you. Did you see that? John 17, you're loved even before the foundation of the world. Imagine that. You're loved before the foundation of the world. If you line up on this stone, if you unite your life and cement it to him, all that preciousness gets transferred to you. And you become a perfect stone. God sees you as the precious choice stone of his son. That's great. It's magnificent. That's, that's fuller than just having your sins paid for. You become like the precious stone in his eyes. But how does that happen? How does that happen? How do we get that? How do we come, become connected to that? It's our second building block. We are built on him through belief. If he's the precious stone, our second building block is we're built on him through belief. Living stones are built through belief. When we come through faith, through belief, coming to him, verse 4 says, uh, being built up, verse 5 says, for you who believe, verse 6 and 7 say, this language of belief, of faith, of coming to him, once far off in darkness, verse 9 says, now you approach near in the truth and light. By faith, by faith, by faith. We now have access to God's house. And in fact, we've become God's house and you and I are being now built up. Coming to Jesus. Being built up in belief. You know, when this passage talks about belief here in 1 Peter, when this passage talks about believing, it's talking more than just about, oh, you're kind of initially, you come to Christ, you hear the truth of the gospel, you hear about his resurrection, and that initial ascent where you say, okay, I believe that. I believe that. This passage is talking about more than that. Saying, you know, I, just, I believe Jesus paid for my sins. There is an initial belief in the gospel. There is. But what Peter's talking about here is more than that. More than that. As the stones are laid up against Jesus, the cornerstone, Peter says you're continually coming to him. Not just initially. You're continually being built up. Not just the first time. He says you're continually believing. Not just the initial time. It's ongoing. It's ongoing. Here's what that means. It means that you and I, when we continue to come to Jesus Christ, we place the entire weight of our life on him. Not just the initial belief, the entire weight of your life on this stone and trust him. And that means that everything in our life now, everything in our life now continually is assessed and lined up with this stone. Everything. To line up flush with this stone, with this foundation, with, with, with this rock. The entire weight of your life now. Everything. It means a new foundation for you, for, for, for me. 
or us as a church and to be built off of him. This is an entire life process now that Peter's talking about. Entire life process. Why? Because if you ask yourself the question, think about it, how many things in our life and in our churches or in our personal lives become replacement cornerstones? Let's think about those for a minute. Replacement cornerstones. Foundations that can be pulled away like these blocks we just saw. How many things in your life, in my life, become that? Foundations that can be pulled away. And when they are, when something gets pulled out from under you or the rug out from under you, that phrase, we shake, we rattle, we roll, we spill, we topple, we tip over, we come crushing down, don't we? When we build on replacement stones. Replacements. But is that really, you think, you might be thinking, is that me? I mean, I've trusted Christ. How do I know if I'm really trusting? Or how do I know am I building my life on Jesus Christ? I always think you ask yourself questions. You ask yourself questions. David Pallison is his name. Maybe you want to write it down. He's got this book called Seeing with New Eyes. And he's got something called X-ray questions. If you Google that later, David Pallison, X-ray questions, you come up with a list of questions. But here's a few of them. Here's a few of them. He's got these great list of questions that can really probe what your foundational rocks are. What you're building your life upon. Here's a few of them. What do you think you need? What do you think you need? Here's another one. Where do you find comfort and safety? Here's another. Where do you bank or build your hopes? How about this one? What do you fear? What do you fear? Here's another. Whose performance matters to you? Or whose acceptance really matters to you? What approval matters to you? Here's another one. Who's coming to political power? Maybe you would make everything better, right? Nobody, but that's a good question to ask, right? Everything better. Or here's a, here's a final one for us. What do you think about when you're daydreaming? Where does your mind go when you just are kind of letting it kind of go? What do you think about most often? Those are the kind of questions, they're called x-ray questions, because they probe to the level of our hearts. They probe deep down in if we're willing to let ourselves go there. We ask ourselves, what am I really building my life on? Peter says, think on him. Think on him. Take your heart and your mind, your soul to him who is loved and precious. And that as you come to him, take all those questions and rearrange every stone of your life so that he is the most precious one. And that he's the one at the foundation of everything you are and what you have and what you hope. Let him be that foundation. Because when trials come, when storms come, perfect time to even think of, you saw the wind of, of Houston. You probably saw the news this morning if you checked before you came in. That giant storm and waves and wind that come. Well, metaphorically, they come to life too, don't they? You just have to live long enough, Right? And another storm is going to come. But when they do, that's when you find out what your true cornerstone is. Because that's when things get kind of pulled away. 
and things get shifted on the surface and rearranged. It's like Luke 6, the man who built his house on what? The rock. The storm came and he was there. If you build your life on anything else, anything else can be taken away. And you're like the man who built his house on what? What was the other? Sand. Yeah. And the house comes tumbling down. But it happens to us, doesn't it? That disappointment. We shake. We feel like we're, we're tilting. We feel like we're about to topple over. We get so disappointed. But Peter's saying, do you want to not be disappointed ever again? Build your house on this rock. Build your life around this. Build upon the rock of Jesus Christ. But to do that, you and I have to see him as more precious and worth, worth more than anything in your entire life. We have to see him as the choice, the precious stone. I want you to imagine for a second a patient lying on a table, okay, in a hospital, lying there on a table, and she needs a new heart. She needs a new heart. A heart transplant, in fact. She needs a heart transplant. She's lying there on the table, and she's approaching death's door. She's dying. She's weak. She's laying on the table, and the doctor bursts in the room, bursts into the, the operating room. We've got the perfect heart. We've got a heart. We've got a donor. We've got a heart. We're ready for this operation, but I have to warn you. I've got to warn you. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost a lot. It's going to cost a lot. How would you respond? I don't care, right? I don't care. If it costs everything in my bank account, if, uh, you're gonna, if I need to sell my house, my car, my assets, you know, it's okay. It's worth it. Give me that heart. And the doctor said, oh, but there's one catch. The donor is actually still alive. The donor is actually still alive. But he's willing. It's Jesus Christ. That's Christ the precious stone whose life, whose heart really you can be given when you trust, when you build, when he becomes the most precious thing in your life. As precious as being willing to say, hey, sell it all to give me that. Sell it all to give me that. Bethany Church, the more precious he becomes to us, the more willing we'll be to rearrange the rocks in our life, in our church, put all our weight on him all of it to rest it on him to rest it there and step into that life line up with him really it's a status we're going to talk about and a purpose of what he is building us to be it's our final building block we are being built with a status for a purpose we'll close with this today a status for a purpose do you know, verse 7 actually says, if you have the ESV, you'll see it, the honor is yours. Those who believe, the honor is yours. What honor? What honor? What do you mean? What honor? And here's where the power of this passage comes into play today. Kind of the application of who we are. Look at verses 9 through 10 with me. But you, you, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. But you, he says, unlike those who've never believed, unlike those who continue to stumble over the stone of Jesus and his exclusivity of the only way to God, he says, but you, you are different. God is making you into something different, a status with a purpose to do as we're created to declare his excellencies. Let's do that for a minute. Let's do that just by looking by his grace, look what you have become. All these things were listed in this passage. Spiritual house, living stones, accepted. It's a litany of benefits, of position, of blessing for encouragement today. A holy priesthood, chosen by God, precious, a people, receive mercy, blessed, all of these things. We could spend a week on each one of those. Unpacking what those mean. At the very least, it's this. Through belief in Jesus Christ, the living stone, you've been brought so close to God that we can approach Him and know Him and declare Him to the world in an even more intimate and unfettered and freeing way than even the priests of the Old Testament could. Think about that for a minute. The priests had the access to God. The priests spoke for God. The priests brought people to God. This is temple language here. Sacrifice and priestly language. Language that a Jewish person would never, ever self-designate. Would never give to themselves. This is for the priest. But here, God says, we are a new people, Bethany. God has given that to us. Bethany Church. And it's not a building. It's not necessarily even what we're doing right now. It's you. It's the people. It's us. It's us. All of us that trust Christ. It's the place where God lives. A new house. Resided with Jesus Christ. It's a new place. It's the people of God. Chosen out. Precious in His eyes called out of darkness, given mercy, and our access to him, your access to him is even greater than any priest of the Old Testament ever had. You get right to him because you're united right up against him. Flush, cemented to him. And we get to take that message to the world kind of like priests. Take that message to the world. In other words, the hierarchy's gone. The hierarchy is gone. Each and every true believer has the tools, the Word of God, and the power, the Holy Spirit, and the commissioning of God to do the work of pastoring. Let me say that again. Every believer in the church has the tools, the power, and the commissioning to do the pastoring work of people. Everybody. Thanks, David. (laughs) Everybody. Everybody does. Not just me. I don't stand here alone as kind of a Moses model on my own. All of us have that. You have that. The reformers called it the priesthood of believers. It's a new status. Do you see yourself this way this morning? You should. You can. 
The priesthood of believers, he called it. And with a new purpose. Because God didn't do it just to save individual Christians. He did. He's saving individuals, but he's building up a new family that belongs to one another with a new purpose, to do the work of ministry. That's what we get to do. It's thrilling. It's exciting. It's all of us. I mean, that's really my role. Equip us. Spur us on. Help us all get trained. Help us grow. Help us see that we've been given this great privilege and then unleash us all. That's my role as your pastor. You can speak of Jesus. You can share the truth. You can share your testimony. You can share your life. You can share your failings and his grace that's covered them. All of that. I love this quote. Kind of gets to the heart of this. It's not simply that ordinary Christians live good lives that enable them to invite friends to evangelistic events. It is that. We do that. They sh- we should invite here. It's that our lives are the evangelistic events. Our life, together, our life together is the apologetic. There's a place for meetings at which the gospel is clearly proclaimed. We're going to do that every Sunday. But let us affirm and celebrate ordinary Christians living ordinary life in Christ's name. That is the front line of mission. You're a missionary. Do you hear that? You're a missionary as you go, as you live. The people you come into contact with. We're missionaries. Our life now, let's be clear, our life is not the gospel. The gospel is that historical thing Jesus did. But Peter is saying, as your life becomes a spiritual sacrifice to God were the words he used, point people his way. Proclaim his excellencies were his words. Yes, invite them to church. We want to be a place where they can come and, and hear the gospel. It means living in expectancy, knowing that it's, it's no more, as I said, my job than your job to point people to him with your life and your words. It's our calling, Bethany Church. It's our calling. It's right from Peter. And it has serious ramifications for everything we do here, from church membership to life groups, to children's Sunday school, to build on that cornerstone. That's what we're going to be about. That's what we are about. To line up our lines of our personal lives on that perfect stone and the lines of Bethany Church to line up with Christ, to do everything to proclaim His excellencies, His greatness, the one who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. So here's our calling. Join me this fall. Join me this fall. Be in prayer. Be thoughtful in thinking about this this fall and who you want to live your life in front of, who you already are living it in front of. With that status of a priest for God, a mouthpiece for God, and a purpose for God. Think through that through. Pray that with me. Who do you want to invite to church for the first time this fall? You finally are like, okay, I'm finally going to get there. Hey, come with me to church this week. Check it out. Who do you want to share the gospel with the first time and speak about what Christ means to you? Think about that this fall. Be in prayer about that this fall. It's a big calling, isn't it? It's a big calling. But it's even a bigger foundation. It's Christ. If we build on Him, He'll move us forward. Because He's already been doing that for years. Do you know that? For decades. Even here at Bethany Church. Take a look at this picture. That's Bethany Church in 1957. 
and they'd already been in existence 50 years before that. Put that in your mind for a minute. Put that into perspective. 50 years before that. And God is the one doing the building. We're still here, aren't we? We're still here, and thank God we're built on some of those stones. Some of you here maybe were built on some of those stones, right? Some of you knew them even. And God is still doing that work here. Remember, we jump into his stream of work. Philippians, remember we talked about that. We jump into his stream of work, what he's been doing and will do long after we're gone. Somebody might show a picture of us 50 years from now. It looks like that. They'll go, wow, they wore that? Wow. So let's join him, right? Let's join him, shall we? Let's join him, Bethany Church. Let's keep building off the cornerstone. So 50 years from now, they go, they, they did it. We want to hold the cornerstone up too. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to this passage today. I know I'm challenged as I think about my life and the lines of my life and are they lining up with the true cornerstone, the precious one, God? Heavenly Father, I pray this morning you'd encourage us as a church. You'd challenge us as a church, as individuals, to think about our lives and look at our lives and who we are and where we're headed. May we ask ourselves those hard questions. Am I built on the cornerstone? And if not, may we rearrange everything and see him as so valuable we'd give up and sell everything. And Lord, as a church, give us a fresh vision for this fall through our life groups, through our classes, through our Sunday school, through our hopes in finding a future youth pastor. Let us build on this cornerstone as a church. Give us a fresh hope and excitement that God, you will continue this work here because you're the one building it. As we see 50 years ago, 50 years now, we want to still be here proclaiming Christ's name. In his name we pray. Amen.